ladies and gentlemen, this is our very first premiere podcast of PJ's Black Circle. We're doing this podcast, my buddy and I, because we love Pearl Jam like millions and millions of people. We are not together when we do this. I am holding it down on the northwest end of the United States. My name is Nino, and with me is my brother from another mother, holding down the Midwest PJ Consortium. Me will always be Wes. Wes, how you doing? Doing well, man. Oh, it's exciting to be here. This has been something that uh, that I've been looking forward to doing in some time. And and honestly, Pearl Jam has been a huge part of my life, and and you've been a big part of their my life as well. And you know, since even the minute I've I've met you, it's like we have this undeniable bond of of Pearl Jam, and and uh, it's exciting to just to talk with you about it, man. Honestly, crazy, right? Yeah, crazy. Right. I mean, I got to be honest, first time I met you, I wasn't too sure about this dude named Wes. I was like, who the hell is this guy? But then all of a sudden, someone said Eddie Vedder. I don't know yeah. what happened. And it yeah. just, the bromance began, dude. Yeah, so. it's funny. Like, so we worked together, right? And one of our yeah. colleagues, because again, like for me growing up, so I didn't really get into Pearl Jam until I was a little bit later in life, well, excuse me, a little bit later in their journey, you know, I'm a little bit didn't grow up in the early nineties, sadly enough. And, but I was talking with our colleague and I had mentioned something about Pearl Jam. He's like, Oh yeah. You know, you know, Nino's a huge Pearl Jam fan. I'm like you're lying, dude. There's no way the guy with the problem, the guy with like the vest on, there's no way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) And so, yeah, like I said, my, my fondest memory of my earliest memory of this was, you know, you and I go into the, uh, kind of the, the break room and I was like, all right, so what's your favorite song on Vitalogy? And you're like, all right, here we go. This is cool. So yeah, yeah. You know, fun stuff. My inspiration for music, you know, and your inspiration for music, it's going to come from similar but different backgrounds. And it's just kind of crazy how we got to finding the band that was kind yeah. of, you know, striking a chord and making us feel good when we listen to it. And it's it's a trip. So when was the first time you'd think that PJ kind of came onto your radar. Okay. Yeah. So this is, uh, so this like kind of chills, like thinking about it. Cause, um, so growing up, my dad listened to a lot of, um, Van Halen and a lot of the eighties rock stuff. And <clears throat> not to say that's any, not to say that's, that's not good or anything, but it's um, great. It's not just good. <laughs> it's amazing, dude. It's totally so you, awesome. <laughs> you also like my my personality is super obsessive. So like if I like something, it's not just I like it. I have to love it. So so like I really didn't find any of my musical kind of prowess. I guess would be until I don't know, like twelve or thirteen, and I, I finally had heard the uh, the solo to Alive, and just listening to my in my mom's car, I was like. I've never heard anything like this. And maybe I didn't, I'm sure you have heard them before, heard Pearl Jam before and heard 10 or heard any of these tracks. And, and it was at that moment, I was like, dude, this is something's different about these guys. Like clearly I don't know much about them because I'm just not really into the music scene at that young of age, but something had, it was like almost like taking a bite out of this apple. Like just, I have to just go in and and learn more. And that Christmas, my my parents for, for 10, and they gave it, and they, of course, you know, hopefully, thank goodness they, they got it for me. And I just wore that album out, honestly. So probably about 12 or 13 years old, I had become not like my identity to my friends and, and school schoolmates was the kid who likes Pearl Jam. Yes. And would talk yes. about it. Like literally, it, this would be 
a daily exchange <laughs> trying and, and trying to convince these people that no NSYNC is not good. Like this is like no, yeah. get, and then, so it just, it just snowballed after that. So I, you know, I very early at adolescence, it was, uh, again, it was 10. And then, and my dad was like, listen, I'll buy you more, but there's just so many albums. I don't know which ones to get. So we kind of worked backwards, right? We went 10 and then he, uh, we got uh, yield and then uh, Vitalogy, and then Versus, and then I think No Code was later in life. And then like it wasn't until I was 16 or 17 until I bought my first album myself, which would have been Riot Axe, and that was like the, the day it opened. So like, again, coming in a little bit late, but going back in time, man, it was it was a trip, you know, hearing some of these albums for the first time. So, so when you were saying like you were the the Pearl Jam, now it, it's cool for all the listeners to know. It's totally cool and awesome to be a Pearl Jam Psycho fan. As long as you're not like stalking people, I guess that's probably where you might want to cut it off. Right, right. Were you like, was there other people that you were friends with that were liking them? Or were you like the See, outcast that, based yeah. on where you grew up? Right. So growing up in rural Midwest, wasn't a lot of, uh, and again, like, during the early uh, late uh, 1990s uh, or early 2000s, there's not a lot of Pearl Jam. That was kind of a, I think you called it last time I talked to you, kind of a dark age, right? So kind of like post-yield uh, or post-yield yeah, post into binaural, you know, not a whole lot of action going on there. And then you had this huge kind of wave of these different types of music, whether it was the hard rock or, you know, the, the uh, boy band stuff that really, you know, that's kind of, where the entire people, as far as my, my friends and everything kind of lived and yeah, for sure. Outcast. Like, again, nobody is, 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 is singing black down the hallways. Nice. <laughs> and, yeah. Right. <laughs> in, in a freshman year, uh, in 19 or in 2000. Right. So that just doesn't happen. Uh, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I'd like to hear, you know, of course, you know, we have different stages of, I think where we're at, but I mean, I think you have a little bit closer as far as, um, you know, walking the path with their, their journey as far as your adulthood? It's crazy because, you know, I grew up also in the Midwest and then moved out to Seattle, which is perfect based on what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah, I mean, and then for a better uh, relocation? Yeah. <laughs> so I moved out probably um, 89, 90, right? So these guys were probably just starting to find each other. I'm sure it was right at the end of Mother Love Bone. Yeah. And then um, I think one of the first times I actually heard them was when I came back home to the Midwest to visit some family. And this is pretty cool. You know, it was just kind of like the first time I ever like touched on them a little bit and People were like, hey, do you know these guys? I'm like, no, not really. And they're like, well, you live out there. And I'm like, no, because, you know, I'm like 12. So, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. I don't have access to a lot of that stuff. Right. But right. dating myself, there there was no internet. There was no, basically, where I was living in this very rural place in Washington, there was one super small record store. Not like there was a Tower Records in my town, you know, where I could mm -hmm. just, like, lose my mind in. So I think where I really got sprung on these guys as maybe freshman, sophomore year. So that would be probably 91. Staying over at my friend's house. We're playing Road Rash on Sega Genesis. Like 
Love all that. night long. <laughs> and uh, one of my buddies, he brought over Rage Against the Machines first album. I think he might have had an early Alice in Chains. And then he had 10. So he put in 10. And we were very good at playing this road rash game because right. we had no life in it. So sure. you have to wait like 40 minutes to take a turn. So <laughs> while like two people are playing, the other two people are just kind of like looking through magazines or hanging out or listening to music. So finally my turn comes up to play and I'm just killing it. I'm just crushing this game and he puts 10 on and I was completely distracted by the music. Hmm. And we listened to it the whole way through. And I don't know what it was, you know, it's just that kind of moment in your life. Everybody's going to feel it where they have that connection to music or for those of that have that connection to music, have that, this is it. This is what I've been looking for. This is what I need. Because before that, it was all 80s butt rock the whole way for me, dude. Poison, Bon Jovi, Skid Row, Warrant, Whitesnake. Man, that was on my walls, right? So, yeah. not that I don't still get down I'm on my butt rock because it's just totally awesome. <laughs> but as soon as 10 ended, I was like, play that again. So, I made my friend turn it on again from the beginning. And uh, that was it, man. I had to figure out a way to get that CD. I had to figure out a way to get that tune because I had never really heard anything, especially a band five-piece band with a double guitar right 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 which is right at the time maybe more on the four-piece end of things you got your bass guitar singer drummer right Mm -hmm. you got your quartet action so it was really refreshing to hear some just killer rock that had the double guitar action going on so that was something that always kind of stood out to me early on yeah right and it's and uh... Like you said, you you hear it once and it's a, it's an automatic love. It's an automatic like. Uh, this is a, the first time you hear this song. It's great. Like you don't need to hear it fifteen times to to develop an appreciation for it. And, and you know, two things like like you said, the perfect combination of of rawness in in Ed's voice and, and you know, even at my young age and your age, your young age when you first heard this, like. You don't really quite maybe recognize the lyrics all that well, but no, you do not. (laughs) I was like, what the hell is this guy talking about or saying? I'm like, it sounds deep. You know, it sounds like you feel it. I I, I totally felt it. And especially in that time of life, like like, that's a tough time, man. That's a tough time. And then the second thing, like, just so you know, like the game where you say to your friends, if you could go back in time, like when would, where and when would you you travel back in time? You literally lived my my answer every single time. Like, plant me in 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 somewhere in Seattle, Washington, in 1990. Like, right. That would be it. Like, some people are like, oh, put me back in the Civil War age. That'd be fun. Like, no, put me there. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be that's you literally lived my dream. I think the people that go want to be in the Civil War age are probably not most of the folks that would be listening to this. I would just, <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe they are. Maybe they're just history buffs and they totally sure. jam. But sure. for me, I remember being, well, 14, 15, 16, and loving the music. So in Washington State, there's a bunch of islands, right? And so I lived on an island, which is was a huge culture shock coming from the Midwest. So 
I grew up, I was born in Detroit, grew up outside of there. All Motown, Bob Seger, Earth, Wind and Fire, Neil Diamond, just a crazy eclectic upbringing. Just music was on all the time. So, you know, you didn't get news. I didn't know there was a drop in the park concert where you could go see Pearl Jam for free. So once I figured that out after that happened, like a week later, it was in like the newspaper because we had newspapers back then. That's how you right. actually got your news. I, I just remember being super pissed off like, oh, I, I missed this historic concert. I couldn't see them. You know, it would have been sweet to be there. It was free. And, you know, I saw one picture of Ed and he's just kind of like swinging from not the rafters because they didn't really have rafters, but he's like, he's like swinging on a cord or a yeah, pole or whatever the hell. Office. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Nice dude. See? Yeah. We're, we're psycho for it. It's awesome. Yeah. So I wanted to somehow get involved with, or just be around live music more. Right. Cause I had seen some concerts growing up and loved it. I mean, kudos to my mom and my cousins who mom was cool with me going and would take me to shows early on in life and was totally okay with my older cousin taking me to see <laughs> what's called so Ted Nugent used to do a um a New Year's Eve concert every year called the New Year's Whiplash Bash yuck and yes, it was not yuck. It was just total crazy rocking awesomeness. And I didn't know what was going on because I'm like 10 or 11. And I, I remember my cousin, he was probably mid 20s. You know, I looked up to him and he has his, his set of friends. And so anybody that's going to a Ted Nugent concert, you know, they're going to be pre funking before you go. Sure. Right. Of course. Yeah, and so I just remember mom going like, Make sure he doesn't hang out with these friends and, you know, you got to sit in your own seats and stuff. So I remember going to my cousin's house and we're like getting ready to go. And I just I don't know what's going on, dude. And I just remember like cans of beer, stuff that's kind of looking like maybe oregano on the table. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, dude, you know. Right. But my cousin took me Cobo Hall. We did not sit with the friends. We were top row center, like farthest away from the stage that you could get. And all I remember is just lights, hair, some girl dancing on stage behind the silk screen. So you just like see her silhouette. And I was like, this is the Nugent's playing? Of course, dude. You know, you got you got Motor City Madman on stage doing his thing. And uh, this is all pre like. Him being on TV, like, you know, hunting and yeah, people getting of pissed off with him because he's doing all that stuff. And so, um, and I was like, this is it. This is awesome. I need more rock in my life. And so I couldn't get a lot of that living on an island. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Oh, of course. So once I moved off of there, you know, first priority was like, how can I see these guys? How can I, when are they coming? How are you going to get there? And it was getting towards the time where they were having issues with Ticketmaster. Right. Right. And by this time, they're already, I mean, they're already mega huge at this point. They were getting, they were getting crazy big, you know, because yeah. this is going to be 95, 96. 
And so super hard to get tickets. You had to use a completely different um, promoter. Ticketmaster wasn't doing it. They were going through someone else that you had to call on a telephone and wait. And it got disconnected all the time. And so it was a push to get to see these guys. And when it finally happened, it was. And you saw them them in Seattle for the first time. That was your first first show. Yeah. So I think the first time I seen them was at the key arena in downtown Seattle. Okay. Yeah. This was very, very early on and we're on the floor well, that was back probably before they did, because now like they do the floor, but it's there's you have to basically win the lottery to do it to get. Oh yeah, it. yeah. This was just straight up. You right. know, you're you you're on the floor. Yeah. Everything everything was GA at the time. Oh. There were no like seats down there. You know, it's kind of a blur because you know now I've seen them like twenty one times because, and I'd see them twenty one more times. Sure, if I of course, yeah. Had the funds and could travel and whenever like live music opens up again, that'd be awesome. So it was just great. So, I mean, they had maybe two albums, two, maybe three albums under their belt at that time. And so do you think, do you think, um, and one of the things that, that are, again, the way we kind of, um, we kind of came into Pearl Jam and appreciation is kind of, you know, you coming in very early on in, in the process and they're, in their albums and, and me coming really from, like, again, for my, me, it was, I really didn't start listening to them until Riot Axe. And this is you know, midway through their, what, 25 years of, of studio albums. Yeah. And, and kind of going backwards in time. So I already, I mean, by the time I had really discovered who Pearl Jam was, like they were already making, I mean, they're already one of the best and biggest rock bands of all time. Right. But for you, was there a moment, because there's a lot of bands that have a handful of good good songs on their first album, and then they fizzle out, right? There's a lot of sure. those out there. So, like, what do you think, like, when did you know, was it after Versus? When did you know these guys had staying power to be like, okay, these cats are going to put out question. multiple multiple albums. Like, it's not going to be just one or two, and then there's going to be, you know, a breakup, and then it's over, like. When right. do you think, okay, dude, this is a, this could be a lifelong journey with these, with these guys. Well, I mean, that's a, God, that's tough. Cause when 10 came, it was, you like you said, I wore it. I wore that CD out. Right. Mm-hmm. Versus came around and it was basically, it felt to me like a carry on of the first album, just rocking, just killing it. Right. And then Vitalogy comes along. I remember going to Tower Records down in the U District, picking it up. You know, the CD was weird. It wouldn't fit in any of your normal like CD holders because it was like a a little mini book and it was so much thicker. So at first I was like, well, I can't even like fit this in anything. And the first two, three songs, you know, you got like Last Exit, Spin the Back, Spin the Black Circle, Not For You. And then it kind of went into Satan's Bed. Whipping, tremor christ nothing man tremor christ things like that and i'm like okay well it feels a little different but it still sounds cool because i still love these guys and it's really really cool right right and so when vitology came along i had this kind of 
you know, I wasn't feeling it as much as the first one or the first two. And I think I've had that with every Pearl Jam album that came after Vitalogy. I'm like, what is this? Right. It sounds it's different to me. So the first time I would go through an album because I'm young and I want it to be a certain way. So obviously my. Right. You already know what the, you know what you like. Yeah. It's yeah. Like it's, your palate hasn't changed that far. And, and thinking of it like this, you know, like Pearl Jam, unlike many other, uh, very unique, like they were firing off records like every six months. <laughs> it it was seemed so, like it. Yeah. It seemed like it. Yeah. Like it was so quick and they were, it was happening. And, and they, like you said, they went to, I have to look at my notes, but they went to no code in like four years, four albums in like four years. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know why. Anytime I go through a new album, because I guess like, you know, basically maybe at the time I couldn't appreciate how artists can still be awesome, but you know, they want to change and they want to keep things fresh. And I can only imagine being in a band. And that's the thing. I play a little guitar. I'm not awesome. I've, I've never been in a band, so I can't ever really talk shit about what people do because if I hate music or I don't like it, maybe I won't listen to it, but I don't know that I could do any better. Right. Right. So it's the same thing when I watch movies, I'm like, people are always like, God, I hated this most recent star Wars movie. And they get like super pissed off about it. And they're like, Oh, you shouldn't have done this. I'm like, well then you know what? Why don't you go make a movie? Why don't you try and actually like make a movie Make a Star Wars movie, see how much better you could do, because I can't do that, right? I of wouldn't course. even know how to start. So as I've grown up, I've really appreciated different styles of music and how things evolve, even though I've always had this weird, like, knee-jerk reaction when a new Pearl Jam yeah, record not comes 10. out, because you, yeah. you want it to be awesome, and it's different. So I guess I realized they had staying power probably when riot act came out because i remember listening to riot act in my car and i'm like this is so different what is going on with crop duster and you are and get right and green disease and bush leaguer and like i love bush i know right they're rad dude (laughs) and so i had to keep pushing it and keep pushing it yeah you do i think they're one of those bands that if you for me like if you just if you stay on them and you keep going with it, it'll grow. And that's why I have a hard time. Like, you know, we've talked a lot and you're always like, hey, pick your favorite album. Pick the one that you would uh, get rid of and all this stuff. And I'm just like, oh, dude, now you go back and binaural is like right. almost 20 years old. Right. Right. Because what did that come out? Like 2000? Maybe came out 2000. We're in like yeah. 2021 right now. Right. First time I heard that, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm into this. It's weird. It's slow. It's melodic. Yeah, and the same thing with same thing with no code. Like you have, and and you also have to think too, Nina. Like the one thing that's always been consistent with Pearl Jam, especially their the early onset, was their you know, the drummer changes, right? Oh yeah, and yeah. you can hear that. At least I can hear that a little more heavier, kind of almost like a bass drums, more in like no code. Where I was, right. just, I heard the same thing. Like, I was like, for me going back and really finally getting into no code, it's like, you know, I'm not really big on this. This has got, it's, it's, right. it's really, it's not really my, it's not, again, for me, it was always like, it, it's not release. It's not, it's not why go. It's not 10. So it yeah. must be bad. And right. 
for like you said, I mean, we're talking now, you know, 30 years since 10. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and and to be frank, like we'll go over this hopefully later down the line here. Like like 10 was always the pinnacle for me. Like 10 was always the pinnacle. There's yeah. nothing could top 10. Never in a world, like never anything. And now like maybe it's just my life. Maybe I have less aggression because <laughs> right? you know, Ed's got less aggression now. You know, you know, they, for our listeners, Gigaton just came out what a year ago, I think. Even was it a year yeah. ago? A year, year and some change. A little under, I think. Yeah, right in there. And like, like obviously the voice and the rawness is is kind of you know, kind of winded down. But you know, I'm always like thinking like, okay, this next album is it going to be more aggression? I want more aggression out of Ed. Right. Yeah, but you just want to shred it. I love right, it here. right. But um, and even some of the like the, some of the slow burn uh, tracks, which are again like we'll go through some of these things down the road. Like oh, I've always been uh, way high on my my list just because they're right. just so passionate. But you know, you see again for me, it was always Pinnacle Ten. But over the course of time, whether it's my livelihood where I'm at, or whether it's maybe I have burned out Ten and burned out verses, and now it's like you know. I pretty much, I think I know that song pretty good. Let me yeah dive more into Avocado or Self-Titled. Let me get more into you know those tracks because there's a reason why, you know, Ed's a pretty artistic guy. Like there's a reason why he's doing things. And, you know, it, whether it's 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 album selection or it's set list, and we'll, hopefully we'll talk about those later too. It's like always a unique spin that he's trying to tell you on this, this navigate through the story and, I think there's a lot, of course, with his life and the band's life, but right. I mean, it's a it's a it's a really awesome experience to to find a new appreciation for something that you thought you maybe dismissed at one time, but it's like, whoa, oh for sure, what am I doing? What what the heck was I thinking? Like one time, I even said, like I'm gonna I throw this no code out the window. I'm like now, I'm like you Nimrod. That's that's probably yeah, yeah. That's a top <laughs> one of the best uh, uh, albums ever created. Like I love it. Yeah, it's great. And I think having major withdrawal of not being able to go and see live music, I think when you're younger, you don't have money, you might barely have a job, you might be in school, maybe your parents don't want you, don't want to take you to, a, they don't love the same music as you, or they'll begrudgingly take you to a show, but might be thinking, well, I can't, I can't take them. Like you said, I can take him to go see NSYNC, but I'm not going to go take him to see Black Sabbath. Right? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So when I think I first started to know, not only did they have paying power, but my musical appreciation for the boys was getting larger, is any chance I could see them, I would go. Mm-hmm. And when right. you're, and as people that go to concerts know that the live music, it's such a different animal from being in your house, listening to it, however you listen to it. And so when you would get these songs that you would hear on a CD, you're like, okay, it's not my favorite program song. I'm not, I'm not in love with this. But you hear it live, it totally changes the context. It totally changes the feel. Right feel it more you see it more and then you go home and you're like dude that was so awesome when they played you know maybe like marker in the sand or maybe when they played like amongst the waves or maybe when they played like push me pull me or like all these just kind of non it's the deep tracks it's the deep tracks man those are the tracks yeah 
And like you said, we'll probably get into it more because odds are, I don't know if it was the music or the music combination with the partying going on and how much you're just like loving that. Because, hey, you know, it's a party band. Boys like to get, they got down. Ed still gets down, you know. And so I just can't wait to get back to some live stuff because, man, this past year, there's so many shows I was set to go to that got canceled and i was set for an awesome summer last year bro i was getting ready to tear it up and right right relive some glory days but everything got shut down and i'm like man it's just and you never know you never know like bands tour now for for a long time and and uh and pearl jam's been touring you know i look back at some of the tour history these guys i mean they they're professional tourists like they they don't stop like they they work they work hard and Right. And even my first, my first show was probably, well, it was after the uh, release of the self-titled. So it was like 2006 and my dad and I, and a funny story, I'll, I'll um, I won't tell a whole bunch about the, the concert because it wasn't all that eventful, sadly. You know, my dad and I have become these huge Pearl Jam fans and, and we looked at each other like they just released self-titled, like ah, they'd been going at it for, at that time, it would have been you know, 15 years like this could be the this could be your first our first and only uh time to see to see pearl jam play and you know right. luckily you enough never know right you never <laughs> know right luckily enough they had another six albums i think or four albums after this and countless tours and and but uh funny thing about um in the way that you know pearl jam has been so instrumental in not only my life but my relationship with my father is like Again, like he was a more Led Zeppelin and the Who, which I, I love the Who or Neil Young, love Neil Young, and he's a very smart man. It really yeah. sounds like to me. Yes. Yeah, no, he is. He is, and, and love he, it. he and I are very similar. Very similar. If you saw us, you, you were were nearly twins. And he's been a, a a big like we go to concerts together. Like it's just, he lives in the Midwest and I live in the Midwest, so we find try to find each other and find a local show. And but I recall back. When and this was on direct, we had direct TV as a young as uh, when I was living in my parents' house, and this was again when I was probably 16 or 17. And Pearl Jam had just uh, done the tour, I think it was the Riot Axe tour, where they went and you, I think, went to this show, you know, you told me, I think, when they went to New York City, they did Madison Square Garden, they did two shows, but maybe I'm wrong there, correct if I'm wrong. No, I think you're right, so probably you're thinking around this. Okay, it would have been probably 2002. Okay, yeah, you're probably right. That's probably right. Okay, that's right. No, wait, 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 wait. Let's see. It would have been 2003. It would have been 2003. The one I went to. Okay, so it was. This is going to be. Hey, when was this? Yeah, I guess it was 2003. It was 2003. I know. I was a a senior in high school, and so Directv had. uh, So they released the. Uh, a DVD of this concert. It was the first, I think it was the first show and direct TV had like bought the rights to this and they had aired it. It was on loop, dude. This thing was just nice. on loop and I'd never seen it like, except for like at that time, internet was still pretty, you know, pretty kind of infancy stage at, even at that rate. But yeah, you know, I would go on and I wouldn't even really see anything as far as concerts and live shows. Like, and at that point I was like 16 or 17 years old and my dad is like, Wes, you got to get home from school. <laughs> DirecTV's airing this at Madison Square Garden uh, concert. <laughs> That's awesome. And literally I flew, like f- drove home as fast as I could. And and I'm not telling, I'm, I'm not kidding. Like we watched this thing 
we would eat, we would just like bring our food down. Like for, they did it for the whole month, one whole month. We watched it probably, I don't know, 200 times. And I literally, I'd come home from a late football practice and then my dad's just sitting down there watching it. So long story short is like, you've hit the nail on the head. Like their live shows is really what sets these guys apart from other great bands out there but it's and they play so well and they're it's so uh so electric but you know finally seeing these guys at a live kind of event it was right it was so intoxicating and it brought us to like i mean we were never like uh apart but it was like this is the thing that my dad and i will always have is because now awesome. he's just as big as the diehard pearl jam fan as i am and it really was that moment like that madison square garden show when they opened up with uh, Love Boat Captain, he's like, Wes, I've never seen anything like this. And he's been to you know, Skinner shows and things like this. Like, yeah, this is it, man, these guys. So I think that might be a good thing to, you know, that I'll kind of add to that and to end with for this week is now I know what DVD you're talking about, you know, Live at the Garden. That's right? it, man. Live at the Garden. So, That's it. dude, okay. <laughs> so this was before... You could actually get concert tickets in other states and other places, and there were no bots at the time, like, buying up tickets. And there was no, like, like if there's scalping, there was really no online scalping. It was just, like, you had to buy from a scalper on the street, like, old school, bring an exorbitant amount of cash and get your tickets. So there was actually internet at the time, thank God, in 2003. And I remember I'm living, uh, my buddy had a house. A couple people live in there. Tickets are going on sale. East Coast time. I got up super early and got lucky as all get out. I was able to get six tickets to the first show, six tickets for the second show. And I didn't care where the seats were. I wasn't going to bother picking. Right. Right. And my now wife at the time, her sister, my roommate, another buddy of mine who I had reintroduced him to Pearl Jam, had actually was very familiar with New York. So we went out there and stayed in a really cool hotel. And I just remember, you know, we're pre-funkin'. We're super excited. We're pre-funkin' on this deck. We're like 20 stories up, shotgunning tall boys at chords. <laughs> Right. I'm singing evacuation in the bathroom. Nice. It's just like we're, we're partying, dude. We're getting ready to go. We take the subway. Last we exit. Get down there. Last. Yep. Yeah, we get down there to um, never been to Madison Square Garden before walking in. Oh, my God. It was just so cool. And our seats were second level behind Matt Cameron, maybe yeah. halfway up. So. Sometimes when I watch the DVD, Try to catch yourself. sometimes I can like see us. Did so you do you bring a sheet or something like this? I think you said. Did you bring? Well, yeah. So I I'll, I'll talk about this in another episode, okay. but totally okay. random and lucky. Like this old boss I used to work for, he worked on Eddie's house, and I was like, "Hey, tell him we're going." I'm like, "This will never happen." And so I um I was like, "Tell him we're going to be behind." the we're gonna be behind the drum somewhere up there people from seattle are coming dude okay so i i took this sheet a bed sheet from the the hotel wrote black marker all over it says seattle's in the house right right i was frisked on the way in they took it away from me oh could never put it like it was big i mean it was like a queen size like sheet 
Like right. Seattle's in the house, dude. And I was like, Ed's going to look at us. It's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. So sometimes when I see him in the first couple songs and he's like kind of looking behind him a little bit, I like to imagine in my psycho fan mind that's that funny he's, he's looking for us right that's funny and so um so there were some cool times where he actually oh he sure around. did yeah i saw that he would, i saw he that would rock, he would rock to the south end yeah he would he, he he purposely did that too so no it wasn't a manifestation of your mind like i saw it he looked around and he was checking for you but they tore it up dude and it's an unbelievable show. Um, unbelievable. It's an unbelievable show. And so, you know, when they go, they're rocking. And when they go into um, do the evolution. Evolution, right. And they get this worried look on their face. And Ed's put, you know, he's on his knees on the stage, putting his hand on the stage. Yeah, because it's bouncing. Now, this stadium or this venue, it's all, it's concrete. It's an old school place, but it's all, it's concrete. So literally, when we're up there, we could feel this movement. And I'm just like, is this us? Because I can actually feel these vibrations and like this, because everyone's jumping and going psycho. And I can only imagine how much fan power it had to be to actually shit. It was like, it was like beast mode, dude. It was like beast quake. Yeah. And, you know, in um, Madison Square Garden, which was awesome and then i remember going the second night and the whole time they're trying to get the place to like shake again it never really shook like it did on the first night but it kind of did a little bit you know i'll talk more about that show. yeah man let's let's save that one for that's that's a fun that's a fun uh that's a fun story to hear so i'd love to hear more <clears throat> down the road on that one that was crazy yeah so people at home whenever life unloads again i think these guys you know they've got staying power to do it they look like they're in good shape to me they're they're always wanting to create music whether it's through Pearl Jam or their other solo stuff or collaborating and there's just so much to talk about and that's what's cool with using Pearl Jam as kind of like the crux because there's going to be so many branches off that tree either going into the Pearl Jam tree or coming off the Pearl Jam tree that's going to affect other bands and other live music and I just can't wait to one day get back out there bro you know that's it man that's it that's um great that's uh that's a dream so well i'm loving our first premiere episode that was fun black circle loving it for those of you at home stay tuned for the next awesome episode because we got a lot of stuff to talk about hopefully we can all bond over this and uh much love to all my pj fans out there peace out until next time take care wax (laughs) 